Hey folks, good morning, good evening, or whatever time you're watching this. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Chris, and I just want to welcome you to Salem Fields Community Church. And I want to start off by asking you a quick question today. Are you a sweet or salty snacker? What's your go-to snack? So take a minute and either respond in the chat or turn to somebody in the room with you and tell them. Uh, I myself, I love these things. I love peanuts, you know, the kind that you used to get at ball games before COVID. Well, we're in the middle of our sermon series, Blueprints for a Belonging Community. And today, Pastor James is going to talk about the importance of being salt and being light in the world around us. And he's going to share more about how Jesus uses those ideas as metaphors for our role as part of his community of belongers. So go ahead and check in on Facebook, share with the world how you're a sweet or salty person, and start a watch party or share the link for your friends to join us in worship online. And also fill out a connection card while you're at it. It takes all of like 30 seconds. So just go to salemfields.com contact. There's also room for prayer requests and some boxes to check off for you to get connected. And know that we say thank you for continuing to give faithfully in your tithes and offerings. And we invite you to continue to give with a generous heart to support the ministries of Salem Fields locally and internationally. It's our response to God's generosity in our own lives. And there's a number of easy ways that you can do that. Super easy online through the website, through the app, through our text to give option, and also right on our live stream page. And checks are always welcome too. And we have a very important and exciting announcement concerning our weekend worship services. So we're going to be expanding to two live in-person Sunday services at 9 and 11 a.m. starting Sunday, October 4th. And get this, the 11 o'clock service will feature youth and children's ministry for ages four and up. So this is great news. And our, our youth and children's pastors are working very hard to keep everybody safe while creating an engaging experience for our kids. And we're still going to ask you to register for that if you're planning to attend, just so that we know how many adults and kids to expect. And we're still going to offer online worship at all service times, but there will be a slight change to that too. On Sunday morning on our online worship ex experiences, we're going to be broadcasting both live services. But Saturday night, our Saturday night online service at 6 p.m. will be a rebroadcast of the live service from the week before. So we're going to share more details about that in the coming week, but we just want to give everybody a heads up of what you can expect. And also this Friday, make plans to join us on Friday, September 25th for our prayer fire at the church campus from 6 to 9 p.m. It's a kind of come as you're able to time of interactive prayer around the outside fire pit. It'll be a great experience. We're going to be praying for our community, for our church, and also for one another. And also be sure to mark your calendars for a special event this Halloween. It's going to be a double feature outdoor movie. Who doesn't like that? And we're going to be showing the great pumpkin Charlie Brown followed by the original, the best Ghostbusters. And it's a great chance to really serve our community, to share God's love with people around us, and also to have some fun. But we need your help to make this happen. So you can do that by donating some fun size candy for goodie bags that we're going to be putting together for all the kids. And you can drop those off at the church when you come to worship or also during the week. We're going to have a bin out front of the church building. And you can also help in serving. You can serve in one of two shifts that night, which also includes entry to either movie. And it's a great opportunity to make a difference. Also get connected here at Salem Fields. So you can email info at salemfields.com for more information about candy or serving, and we'll be in touch with you. And registration for those movies will be open in October. Well, it's important to celebrate all that God is doing in our lives, all he will do, and the ways that he's active in our church and our community. And we have an awesome service plan today. So wherever you are, welcome and know that you belong here at Salem Fields Community Church.
There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's robe as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises sweet.
Hey there, Selling Fields. How are you today? We're so glad that you are hanging out with us today. And before we get started, I want to talk to you about two uh, announcements. I want to first talk to you about uh, what I call our back-to-back reopening. And so I know we've been open for a while, we've had a live service, but beginning the first weekend in October, we're going to add a second service at 11 o'clock that's going to include ministry for children and students. And so we're really excited about that. And uh, you will want to be get, get online and you'll want to register that. That second service, that 11 o'clock service, we want to hold as many spaces as we can for parents who are families who have kids and students. So if you're a person that does not have students or, or children, you'll go to the 9 o'clock service. And then if you are a person who has uh, children or students, you come to the 11 o'clock service. We've, uh, we've added more seats in our auditorium, still keeping our uh, distance guidelines. And so we have about 178 seats in the auditorium, 170. 78. And so we would love to see you here. Please go online and check that out as we begin to think about back to back and adding a second uh, live service. So we're excited about that. And we'll have a little tweak to what we do on Saturday night, uh, our online service for Saturday night, and you'll be hearing more about that. The other thing we want to do is we want to give you an update on our Revive, our Revive uh, 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 offering for missions. Uh, we are excited about it. We're up to about $33,000 for that offering. And we just want you to know that if you've not had a chance to give, we would invite you to do so. And here's what we're doing. Uh, there's no small gifts there, no large gifts. We just want everyone to participate. So if you haven't had a chance to participate, we would encourage you to do so. We're loving what you are doing. We're thanking you for your faithful giving through this COVID season. And uh, we're excited about what we're going to be able to do missional-wise in our local area and around the world because of your faithful giving and going and serving. And so thank you so much for that. And now uh, let's kind of dive into the blueprints for a belonging community. Would you pray with me for a second? Father God, we thank you today for this opportunity to dive in to the most important message that you ever gave during your time on this earth. The blueprints for a belonging community. Your Sermon on a Mount set up what the kingdom looks like in, the, in our world today. And Father, we thank you for that. And we give you praise. And Father, today, for a couple of moments, would you help us to focus our attention right here in this place as you speak to us as we are listening. For we pray these things in your name. 
Amen. So, so the crowd, you are the online crowd today, and, and here's what I want you to do today. Let's get started. I want you to go and find a salt shaker. So wherever you are there in your place, your home, your office building, whatever, wherever you are watching this, would you go take and find a salt shaker? Just take that and uh, uh, find it somewhere. We keep ours. We keep a salt shaker. We like the grinder for pepper and salt, so we keep one on our eating kitchen table. We keep a, a set on our counter. We keep a set in our pantry. So you go ahead and find that and, and put that somewhere because I, I want you to think about this idea of salt today. So if you have the shaker, now I want you to take a little bit of it. Maybe take your hand like this. Take a little bit of it, and I just want you to taste it. Just taste it, all right? And here's the question for you. What does it taste like? How would you describe what you just tasted? Most people would say that uh, salt tastes salty, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to describe. Most people would just say salt tastes salty. And, and that's the fact. Salt tastes salty. In fact, that was so much the fact that more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus thought the same exact thing. In fact, Jesus said it like this. Uh, he said as, as he was talking about the blueprints for a belonging community, as he was going to examine that some more, he talked about the fact that if salt loses its saltiness, it is useless. If salt loses its saltiness, it is useless. As I was doing my research on salt this week, I learned that salt has 14 thousand known uses and you thought you just put it on food with pepper everyone uses salt directly or indirectly americans each consume more than 16 tons of salt during their lifetime 402 pounds a year get that 402 pounds a year for each living american only a small portion of that or percentage of that massive amount is ingested by food. So the next time your doctor says to you, you need to cut back on your salt intake, you can tell him, you can tell him or her, well, doc, you know, really, I don't eat as much as you think. Well, we're at this point in our look at the blueprints for a belonging community, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus decides to tackle he decides to tackle the greatest marketing challenge in the world. He has already amazed the crowd with this monumental news that messed up equals blessed up. That the citizens uh, to this kingdom, that he basically opens up citizenship to the kingdom. He basically says to people who would have never thought they would get in based on their behavior, that it's not about their behavior, it's not about their righteousness, it's about his righteousness. And so Jesus wanted this life-changing and eternity-altering message to be, to be communicated way beyond those who were on the hill with him that day near Capernaum. But how? How would people around the globe hear this life-altering message that the kingdom of God was for everyone? How would they understand that God has flung open the doors to his kingdom and is beckoning people to come inside no matter where they are, no matter how they behave, no matter how they grew up, no matter how much money or education that they have? Because I would think that once people figured this out, once people understood that, that God had flung open the doors, they would just come in droves. Well, here are the words. Here are the words that Jesus used to unveil the greatest marketing campaign in history found in Matthew chapter 5. Here's what it says. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors, <laughs> that brings out the glad flavors of the earth. If you, you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, 
bringing out God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on this light stand now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So he was saying to the folks and to those of us in the kingdom today, to those of us who belong, he was saying, you are my marketing plan. I'm not going to buy a full-page ad in the, in the Fredericksburg Star. I'm not going to buy a 30-second ad on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm not going to buy an ad on a streaming service. I'm not going to put up a billboard. You are my marketing strategy. I want you to market my message to other people, people in your family, in your neighborhoods, I want you to market my message to people in the cul-de-sac. I want you to message, market my message to people in the cubicles. I want you to be my marketing strategy. And that is the strategy. Now, let me just be honest with you. I would not use me as the marketing strategy for this amazing news that God has flung open the doors to his kingdom. But God says, you are my strategy and it's a, if you're a belonger, if you're a belonger in the kingdom, you are the marketing strategy of Jesus to get this good word out. Now, salt and light might not sound like much of a marketing strategy until, that is, you understand that he was using these, this strategy as a metaphor because one thing that both salt and light have in common is this. They both have a radical influence on whatever they come in contact with. So he begins to talk about what it means to be salt and light. And so first thing he says is you're the spice of life. Matthew 5, 13. Let me tell you which, why you're here. You're here to be salt. You're here to be seasoning. You're here to bring out the God flavors. And, and, and if, if you don't do your job, if, you don't be, if you're not a part of the marketing strategy, what are you going to be good for? So what does salt do? Salt preserves. In the days before ice boxes and modern refrigerators, salt was the main means of preserving perishable foods. Foods, foods would be heavily salted, right? They would heavily salt all kinds of foods to keep them preserved and to keep them from spoiling. Have you ever had salt codfish? Have you ever had a good, a good cure, cured uh, Virginia ham? Both of them have been preserved by salt. What happens if fish stays out for a few days, right? It gets, it gets aromatic. I mean, in Jesus' day, fish was one of the main staples in the diet. And so if fish was stayed out, it would go bad. So fish had to be transported from where it was caught in the sea to town and villages. So they would salt it up real good in order to preserve it, to keep it from rotting or decaying in our passage. Jesus isn't speaking directly of salt keeping fish from stinking. He uses it metaphorically of followers of Christ and their character of Christ-likeness. As followers of Christ, we're to be preservatives in the world. Here's what we know. Our world is, is in crisis. Our world is in crisis there's all kinds of stuff going on, financial crisis. There's, there is isms crisis going on in our world. There's, there's division and there's hate and there's strife and there's wars and, and there's famine. There's crisis in our world. We are to impact our world. We are to impact our world in such a way that we preserve it from the moral decay that is going through. Salt not only preserves, but it adds pizzazz. Salt brings out flavor. It's the most obvious property of salt, especially since we don't use it as much for a preservative. Some foods are terrible without salt. I mean, I like, I like grits. I like oatmeal. But without salt or some kind of flavoring, it just tastes like mush. We are to add flavor to the world. 
here's the reality. There's so many Christians that walk around like Eeyore. You remember Eeyore? Or, or maybe I'm, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but there was this, this cartoon called Gulliver's Travels. And there was this, there was this guy that, that was constantly saying, we'll never make it. We're doomed. We're doomed. And there's so many Christians that walk around with so much heaviness on us. We are the people who are called to bring flavor to the world. We are the people who are called to be the people of joy. We're the people that are supposed to, uh, uh, are supposed to live in joy despite the circumstances. We're the people that are supposed to know that joy doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from circumstances. It's a, it's, it comes from the Lord. And, and because the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. And there's something that happens when the world sees the people of God, the belongers of a blueprint community. If something happens with them when they see all the stuff breaking loose in life and people still being joyful. The third thing that salt does is it brings purity. See, the Romans, the Romans saw salt as a symbol of purity in that it came from two pure ingredients, seawater and sun. See, most of the salt in ancient times were, was acquired by evaporating seawater. It seems strange that Jesus would talk about salt losing its saltiness. How could that be? Jesus isn't giving us a chemistry lesson here. What he's doing is, is he's, he's helping us to understand what was going on with salt in their day. See, because the salt that we have is extremely, extremely pure, and therefore it doesn't lose its saltiness. But back in their days, when they were evaporating the seawater, there were other impurities in the salt. And so the salt could lose its saltiness. And if it did, it was thrown away. So we are, we're called, we're empowered to maintain our distinctive when we're in contact with the world. Salt cannot be a preservative or a seasoning if it never comes in contact with food. So despite what we hear, we're not supposed to come out from the world, but we're supposed to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to do what Jesus did. Jesus doesn't stay up in heaven. And our great emptying passage, the great kenosis passage, it says, no, no, Jesus comes and he moves into the neighborhood. He empties himself of all of heaven and all of his glory. And he comes and he becomes like us so that we can become like him. And here's the reality. If we don't do that, Jesus makes it very clear that if, if salt loses its saltiness, it's not worth anything to be, but to be thrown away. So if we're not going to impact our world as flavoring or as a preservative, or if we're not going to model what it means to have purity of heart and mind and motive, then it's useless. Barclay one of the great theologians and commentaries, commentators says this, uselessness invites disaster. So here's the question, what are you doing to be a preservative? What are you doing to add pizzazz to the world, flavoring? What are you doing to, to model what it means to be pure in heart and intention and mind? Well, we're going to stop here for a second and we're going to come back and uh, we're going to worship for a second. Then we're going to come back and talk about light.
So let's talk a little bit about light. So, so Jesus goes on in this passage and he says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the, in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And then he says this. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand so that you can shine. Jesus said in John 8:12, I am the world's light. No one following follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. Now he tells his followers, you're here to be light. What does he mean? How are we to be light of the world when Jesus says that he's the light of the world? How? reflection. See, we don't make our own light, but we reflect the light of Christ in the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun. So to call ourselves Christians to, or followers of Christ is to reflect Jesus's light. The only question is, what kind of reflection are we? We are a reflection, good or bad. So what kind of reflection are you? What is the main purpose of light? Illumination. The main purpose of light is to give light unless you're an easy bake oven and then your main purpose is to, is to bake a cake in an easy bake oven. And since we're not easy bake ovens, um, we are to reflect light. See, in Jesus' day, most homes were one room with no windows or maybe a, a small window, but one lamp could illuminate a one-room house if it was put on a lampstand in the house. And that times, lamps were like this. They were pretty much a shallow bowl with some oil in them, right? And they had a wick that floated, a wick that floated 
in the oil, right? And it was extremely hard to light that wick, extremely hard to light the wick, especially since they didn't have lighters or matches. matches. So, so what would happen is the lamp would be placed on a stand in the middle of the house or on a ledge in a wall, and from that vantage point, the whole house would receive light. Everyone could see to do what they needed to do. That's why we have lights in the ceiling, right? And not on the floor, because in the ceiling, they illuminate the whole room. Even lights are placed on tables or they're placed on some kind of stand, light poles. Lights can only bring illumination if they shine. So here's the reality. There's no such thing as undercover light reflectors. There's no such thing as, as, being, as being called to be lights and, and God making us lights and decide that somehow we're going to hide our light because to hide our light, to, to put a blanket, it's like putting a blanket over a flame or, or covering up the flame. What's going to happen? It's going to burn out. The light's going to go away. The light becomes useless. When a thick blanket of clouds covers the moon, it becomes useless. We can't see by it. As followers of Jesus, what sense does it make to cover up our reflection of him as a follower, a belonger in the, in the kingdom of God? Without light, uh, without light, we're just useless. So the question today is, is your light covered up? Are you living a life where, where the shine, the illumination that you could do in, in your homes and in your, on your jobs and on the ball field or in your schools or in your communities, is your light being covered up? I've heard people talk about, well, my faith is personal. Your decision to follow Jesus your decision and how that happens might be personal, but once you decide to follow Jesus, there's no such thing as personal religion. Now, now I would say to you as Wesley, John Wesley, the great theologian would say, um, live your life, live your light, live your saltiness, and if necessary, use words. I love that. If necessary, use words. In other words, you're living this out all the time. You're living it out all the time. Everywhere you go, every situation you're in, you're living your Christ life and your Christ saltiness all around you. See, if we don't shine, if we don't shine, then we are useless. In fact, Matthew 5, 16 says it like this. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. This idea of opening our lives up, this idea of living life in community, the good, the bad, and the ugly, being confessional in community, living our lives and, and not pretending that we know it all or we have arrived, but living life the way we are in community makes a huge difference. It was because people lived their lives in community, the good and the bad and the ugly, that I came to know Jesus. It was because someone was adding flavor, someone was per adding preservatives, someone was, was modeling purity of heart and intention in mind in my life, in my journey, that I came to know the Lord. And I guarantee you that most of you listening to my voice today who are belongers, I guarantee you that someone was salt and light in your journey that someone made a decision that they were going to fully engage and be used by Jesus in his great marketing plan so that the whole world would know that he had opened up the kingdom to everyone. Salt and light. Your God-created nature is to shine. This is not something that should be hard for you to do. Your God-created nature is to reflect the light of Jesus all around you. 
It's your God-created nature to do so. So we're challenged to open our lives, to open up to others, to let our light so shine before men and women that they may see our good deeds. Good deeds not so that we can get the credit, not so that people will pat us on the back. Good deeds not through bootstrapping it, but good deeds that are a reflection of who our Father is. And since he's made us, since he's made us salt, and because since he's called us and, and, and empowered us to be light, we begin to reflect him who's a person, him, the God of good deeds, the God of goodness, the good God of rightness. We begin to reflect him through the power of his Holy Spirit. And then people see that and they begin to ask questions. And they begin to want to know the God that you are reflecting. The God who has made us salt to, pre to preserve things, to add pizzazz, that purifies things. Now here's the, here's the problem in our journey. Here's the problem in our journey. Sometimes we buy into substitutes instead of the real thing. I want to talk about some fake or some faux or some artificial salt and light that we see all around us. And, 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 and those things do the opposite of attracting people to Jesus. They, they push people away from the kingdom. Have you ever had your doctor tell you that you need to lay, to go easy on the salt? Well, my doctor, my doctor, Dr. Cliff Sheets, would, would say to me, well, James, you need to go easy on the salt, Right? And so, and because I'm, I'm trying to go easy in the salt, I picked up this thing called Mrs. Dash. Anybody heard of Mrs. Dash? It's kind of, they call it a salt substitute, a saltless salt substitute. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? As much as I use that Mrs. Dash, it doesn't do anything for me because it doesn't taste anything like salt. In fact, I don't like it. And because I don't like it, I don't use it. I got some in my pantry, but I don't use it very much because I don't like it. It's almost useless. <laughs> and, and so there's some substitutes out there, there. There's some substitutes to salt and light that we buy into that turn people away from the real thing. I have seen these substitutes, and maybe you have as well. And, and maybe at some point in your life you've been a, one of the substitutes, or maybe you're, you're, you're one of the substitutes today. Well, here's the good news. God can kind of move us away from the, being a substitute and make us the real thing. The first substitute is what I call in-your-face Christianity. You know, you know the kind that I mean? I mean, it's the guy who, who I used to pass in northwest Washington, D.C., there at the metro station. And, and, and he would have a big old megahorn, right? A big old kind of a, a megahorn, megaphone, and, and he would be preaching, right? And he would be yelling, and, and all his words were distorted, and you couldn't even really hear what he was saying. And it was just a total turnoff. It was just a total turnoff. In fact, I was, uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I was searching on the web doing some research for this message. And, and there was a, there's a guidebook, an old guidebook. It's, it's pretty old. It's probably back from the 80s. But it was a guidebook on how you can hook up a megaphone to your car, uh, your, car your car radio, and how you could do what I call drive-by evangelism in your car. I mean, it, it had funny things like, you know, if you're at a light, yell out, come out of the car and give your soul to God, right? I mean, it, it talked about how if you need to drive slower so people could hear your words. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But, but you know how it is. If someone gives you a, a track that has all kinds of just, you know, cliche Christianity and shove it in your face. If someone's doing the in-your-face evangelism, it's just a turnoff. And no matter how well-meaning people can be, no matter how well-meaning they can be, it, the in-your-face Christianity without relationship without spending some time with people, without getting to know some people, can totally be a turnoff. 
I remember when I was a, a college student, we had something, we had something called door-to-door evangelism. And then we were, we, were, we were good old Christians, right? We were good old sanctified Christians. And we were going to go and we were knocking on doors. And we knocked on the door and we used the James D. Kennedy Evangelism Explosion book. And we had these three or four questions that we were supposed to ask. we just knock on the door unannounced and we would just ask these three questions. One of the questions was, if you die tonight, are you going to, how do you know you're going to heaven? And then we would say, well, if you were standing before St. Peter and he asked you why we should let you into heaven, what would you say? And we were very well-meaning. But we would leave that house and we would go to the next house, never to return. And you know how it is. When they show up on your door on Saturday morning, they knock on your door, what do you do? I know what I do. I pretend like I'm not home for the most, most time. Sometimes I invite them in just to kind of say, well, you're wrong. But that kind of Christianity turns us off. The second substitute is holier-than-thou Christianity. You know, the, the smug, self-righteous Christians who paint themselves as way, be- they're way better um, than anyone else. Uh, they're way better than they really are, and they paint, other people is way worse than they really are. And most of the time, they just tick people off. You know, the ones that have this us versus them mentality, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and so we need to get the bad guys to join the good guys, and we got all the answers, and we got all the solutions. And if the good guy, the bad guys don't join the good guys, then we stay away from the bad guys, which is the total opposite of what Jesus did, who went and who, the God, who's the God who goes and, and is accused, rightly so, of hanging out with prostitutes and, and tax collectors and, and lepers and, and the bad people of his day. Not just so that he can put another notch on his belt when it comes to reaching people, but doing life with people, speaking into people, loving people in such a way that they come to him and want to know him. The third substitute is what I call cosmetic Christianity. By that, I mean Christians who, who have kind of a, um, a, a only a thin veneer of Christianity and, and a thin veneer of spirituality that looks pretty good on the outside, but on the inside, they're all messed up. Jesus said they were like, they were like dead men's tombs, whitewashed dead men's tomb that look good on the inside, but on, on the outside, but on the inside is full of rotten bones. See, Christianity that only goes deep enough to to make that look good on the outside, but doesn't go deep enough to, to change the inside is, is faux Christianity. I talk about it all the time. We're changed from the inside out, not from the outside in, because it comes from the inside out, it's about God. If it comes from the outside in, it's about us. It's a politician who talks how proudly they're Christian but behind the scenes, they're willing and dealing, and there's no Christianity at all. And it happens on both sides of the aisles, just in case you're trying to point to the side of the aisle that you don't like. It happens on both sides of the aisle. It's the guy who, who proudly talks about he's a great Sunday school. He goes to Sunday school. He does this. He does that. But he's racist, and he's sexist, and all the rest of those things. And God calls us not to be cosmetic Christians but to be Christians who have had open heart surgery and are changed from the inside out. So here's a question today. Are we kind of just artificial? Are we a substitute for salt and a substitute for light? Or are we the real thing? If you can relate to any of these people, if if this has been your story or is your story, here's the good news Jesus came and moved into the neighborhood so that we could be real salt and real life, light and that we could make a difference in the world. So the Bible doesn't say, well, maybe you're light or maybe you're salt if you're a belonger. It says we are the salt and light. We are the great marketing plan 
of the kingdom, we bring preservation, we bring pizzazz, we impurity while reflecting the light of Jesus and illuminating the world for all to see. This doesn't mean that we run and we're smacking people upside the head with the Bible. So where are you today? Are you salty? Are you lighting up the world? Salt has effect at, by being present. No fanfare, no introduction, just definite saltiness. And light, unless it is concealed or covered, automatically repels and refutes and cancels the darkness. Light automatically produces clarity. Are you having an impact? What's your game plan? How are you effective and on whom? What are your next steps? Because Jesus says, if you are belonger, you are salt and light. And here's the question, all of us are salt and light. So the question is, is our salt useful? And if it's not, it's going to be thrown away. And if our light is covered up, it's useless. And so we are salt and light. The question is, what type of salt and light? I was flying home. One of my great flights is to fly home from, B, from Boston to BWI. And as we were approaching uh, Thurgood Marshall Airport late at night, you start by seeing the tiny lights, right? You cross the water and then you see the tiny lights, the little lights of Baltimore. And, and then as you get closer and closer to landing, those lights become brighter and brighter. And the things that look like little pin lights become very distinctive. And right before you land, you be, you're able to see the street lights and the streets and the houses and the cars. And things become brighter and clearer. And if it wasn't for those lights the landscape would have been indiscernible and unidentifiable. The spiritual landscape that we're living in the world with all this going on these days is much the same. It's full of landmines and, and ugliness and divisiveness. It's full of all kinds of shouting and screaming. It's full of all of that kind of stuff. Potholes, uh, 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 messed up plans and challenging terrain. And if we aren't beacons, if we aren't light to help light the path, to light the way of truth, who will? And if we're not salt that adds flavor and preserves and purifies, what will? If the church is the hope of the, if the local church is the hope of the world, and I believe it is, and we don't live different and we're not salt and light, how will the kingdom plan get out? How will the marketing plan get out? Jesus said, you're the plan. I'm the plan. Salt and light. Pray with me. God, thank you for calling us to this. Thank you for calling us to be salt and light in the world. Father, help us to be useful salt. Help us to be useful light. Help us to live our lives in such a way that people, that people see what's happening, and they, they look to you for hope. They look to you for belonging. They look to you for help. They look to you for healing. Father, some of us would have to admit today that we're not the salt and light that you've called us to be, and the good news is that you're willing to, you're willing to come beside us. You're willing to, to, to work with us. Your, your Holy Spirit is always, already at work in us as we kind of confess that we're not what we want to be, but we believe that you can make us who you want us to be. So help us. And then there are people listening to me in this message who don't know you as all, at all. And, and they just need relationship. They, they're without hope, and, 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 and they're at the end of their rope. And you say that the messed up people are blessed up. And so the day, Father, we, we know that they can, they can look to you for hope. They can turn to you for hope. They can, they can pray a simple prayer like this. God, I am looking for hope. I've looked in all the wrong places, and now I want to look in the right place. And so I come to you, much as I am, with all my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups, with all of my mistakes, all my selfishness, all my sin, 
and I give it all to you knowing that you can, you can take it and you can take the broken places and the rough places and make them smooth. You can turn on the light in my life and Lord, you can make me salt. And so today, Father, I confess and I come to you and, and I ask you to change me from the inside out. Thank you, Father, that you're, you will answer those prayers. If you are a person that prayed one of those prayers, I would love to hear from you, James at SalemFields.com, or you can write to info at SalemFields.com. We want to we wanna hear from you. We want to pray for you. We want to get you discipled. We want to get you in a place that you are who God created you to be, salt that is useful and light that shines. God, thank you for all that you're doing. You're at work in us. You're at work among us, and you're helping us to belong to the community of faith, to the kingdom. And we give you praise. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, here's your homework for uh, this week. Memorize Matthew 5, 14, our memory verse for the week. And, and decide how you're going to be salt and light this week. And then if you want to read ahead of what we're going to focus on next week, read Matthew 5, 17 to 48 as we look at Jesus' role in fulfilling the law. Love you guys. Have a great week. Bye-bye.
that you'll take Pastor James' words seriously and show that you're a belonger by being salt and light. So be sure to join us on Facebook Live Monday at 2 p.m. for our deeper dive. And that's where Pastor James is going to be discussing this idea even further. And you can always access that after 2 p.m. on our Facebook page. And know that we want to connect with you too, that you can find community and friendship right here at Salem Fields as you grow in your faith. You can do that by joining a small group. And we have a number of groups meeting both in person and also digitally. So email us at smallgroups@salemfields.com to find a group that fits you. So thanks so much for joining us today. And we hope to see you again online at all of our service times or in person next Sunday at 9 a.m. So God bless, be well, and stay salty.